Welcome to episode 59 of BoardWars.eu, your regular podcast about Star Wars Imperial Assault, a miniatures game by Fantasy Flight Games. Still no news out of FFG directly, but we still have a patch for the app as well as a new Vassal Skirmish version to talk about. Tune in to 5 minutes for more. Community Watch returns with news about list building websites as well as a new Skirmish video. Uh, not that much, but it does start at 30 minutes. We shifted rules clarification to happen early in the episode, which is why you can find the exciting info about Maul and, Maul and his tools at 18 minutes. Like last time, game discussion is split into two parts. At 24 minutes, we discussed the second flight of the Free Freedom Fighter campaign mission from the app. If you do have trouble with the mission, this is certainly something you should tune into. But we also talk about the third hero of the Heart of the Empire, Colton Ferralo. Our thoughts can be found at 47 minutes. Play Experiences has some fresh impressions from, from some regionals. 1 hour and 28 minutes is where you can find out more. Like always, thanks to our patrons and now, the fun of the show! Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of our BoardWars.eu podcast. We are at episode 59 already, um, approaching the 100 very far, very fast. And um, we, try, we try to aim for a little bit of a shorter episode today. I hate to say this, <laughs> but family obligations and other stuff and people needing to do actually other stuff than podcasting. So, uh, first of all, uh, we have... Uh, Two other hosts uh, outside of me, of course, I'm Stefan, if you haven't figured this out by now, you're not on Discord and you are not doing the right thing. So um, other than me, we also have Jeppe. Good evening. And we have Pazi. Yeah, hello from the north. Yeah, which is, of course, he's, he's from the very far north. And we also, we might be getting, I, I hate to say this again, <laughs> we might be getting Alistair this episode. He wasn't available for our last episode and he wanted to join, but it just didn't work out. But he is actually, <laughs> I don't know, we, we'll let him talk when he comes back. So uh, maybe he will join during the episode and we have high hopes that it actually will happen this time. Okay, so first of all, um, since last time, the thing that was happening internally was... I did slack off at <laughs> fixing down the details on the on our vassal tournament, but don't be afraid. I'll this will be happening quite soon. And I'm on vacation actually in Barcelona for a few days, uh, mid February, so like in two weeks. And after that, like one or two weeks after that, the new tournament will start. Details will be going out on the website, in Discord, and of course on all forums in the next two to two weeks. And you then have like two or three weeks to sign up, and then the, the the tournament will start. It should be relatively similar to what was going on last time, but I I will try to use Cryodex this time, so that uh, the skirmish or the uh, Swiss groups will be FFG legal sorted. Because last time we had the problem that the sorting on Jelange was not really the the right sorting that we had that you usually have when you are playing uh, an FFG tournament. So, other than that, um, Jeppe and I, we booked a, a holiday together, actually. <laughs> so, uh, uh -oh. you can... <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. <laughs> so, uh, both of us will be attending the European Championships in Birmingham this year, which are on the 1st to 3rd of June. 
This is like in five months right now, I think. Is it in five? Yeah, it's in five months. And we will be there uh, joined by um, Alistair. He said he'll come. And of course, a host of other people from Discord will be joining there too. I heard that um, Rich is coming and his gang is also like he's bringing a few friends. So this will be a great time to meet all of us if you haven't uh if you have the desire to do so actually and we will be there from friday to sunday i think yeah that's it and i'll be playing in the tournament yeah we will be playing and yeah you can see us there and play against us or play with alistair and alistair also i hope he'll be playing i don't know what's what's going on i I haven't asked him the details yet but um the big thing is we booked all of uh at least i booked flights too and yep i booked the hotel so we should be good to go and yeah, that's that's all of cleanup, I think. So why don't we go ahead and ask Yeppe what's up with the news? Uh, there's a couple of pieces of news. Neither of them are uh, official from the hand of FFT. Uh, we're still waiting with a bated breath to hear what uh, they have in store for us. But there are some things, and it's mostly um, on the digital side of things. Um, there has been a patch for the uh, Legends of the Alliance app, which has been uh, sort of stealthed in there. Um, it is uh, partly doing a few bugs and some camera angles, but the most interesting thing is that it is now enabled to have all the villain and figure packs you have um, in there so that you can now meet um, Imperial and Mercenary figures from any of the expansions when you play. Yeah. And uh, that really opens up the variation of the game, um, which is and really great. I also think it makes the game a little bit harder because uh, some of these new or some of the newer figures, not only are they um, very strong, but they also have a little bit of a better survivability usually like the chat troopers have seven health and the elite chat troopers of course and this is much better than the five health of the elite stormtroopers so it's i think it's going to be a little bit harder not only to to survive but also to remove figures from the board and uh you're also going to meet (laughs) fan favorites like bt1 i already saw bt1 and i think i saw terror too so uh, depending on what you own, you can just check it in your collections tab, and then stuff will just keep appear, uh, start appearing in your current uh, campaign already. So if you're already running a, a campaign and you start checking stuff in the collections tab, the next time a mission st- mission starts or the ne- next time you load a mission, uh, deployments will be be picked from these new uh, expansions you already added to your collection. And most most noteworthy, I think, is that. Even if you only own the box expansions, I think you are safe to to add to your collections all of the figure expansions or all of the figure packs that would be representative cardboard in the actual boxed expansion. So that would be like Tarot or the or Maul or Jabba. If you don't own the figures, I mean you you might want to hold off if you don't want to overwhel- overwhelm yourself. But you still can include them if you want to, because you have the cardboard token, and you can still plug down the cardboard token when the game asks you to asks you to, to deploy them, because you have the deployment card anyway, and you can just play it like that. It's not that pretty of a sight anymore, because you're using cardboard tokens again, but you still get the full experience, and that should prop up the enemy variety very much. So 
that's also very good. And uh, yeah, but do we know what the the other update was? Like the the updates to the in-game camera. I have no idea because I was I was trying to 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 scour the the Steam forums and I didn't find any any noteworthy bugs concerning the camera or or stuff that or I I also I didn't I didn't see anything that was different on the camera so yeah I don't know so sorry to interrupt there Jeppe not at all um, the second bit of uh, of news of sorts is that the skirmish module. Uh, for Vassal has been updated. I think it's mainly mainly a couple of cosmetic things around maps that have been changed, um, as there's been no uh, new uh, expansions out lately. But it's especially because um, one of the tournaments map, the most recent one, was not really um, visually looking correct in the in the in the skirmish module. It's something yeah. about the, it being overlaid on other tiles, which made it very noisy to look at. Um, so that's been updated. So. Uh, Get your vessels updated and dive right in. And if you haven't really uh, tested the waters yet on on vessel, then uh, don't hesitate to join our Discord. It's a really good place to find people to play with, whether uh, experienced or or new, and uh, having a go at it and load yeah, up the new module. I w- I, w- I was playing since I I also tried to attend the Austrian regionals. I was trying to play on vessel a bit more uh, the last few weeks. And I played with two two people that were completely new to Vassal, so there are still new players joining the, the the crowd there and trying to find games. So even if you haven't had any skirmish or Vassal experience or both, you still might want to check out our Discord server, which is um, uh, discord.me/bweu, and this should take you right to our server. And then just join the. Uh, What's it called? The Vassal Pickup Channel, where you can highlight other players and and call them to the channel. And um, if you want to open a game or if you want something to someone to play against, people are very helpful. So um, they should guide you through how to to wrestle with the interface to be ready there. What you should do though, uh, once you try to to play a game of Vassal, you should prepare your list beforehand. And for that, I will list a, a link again our our introduction video on uh, on how to use the Vassal interface and how to build lists with it, because that's that hasn't really changed in the past few um, iterations of the of the program, so it shouldn't be any different. So and this greatly speeds up setup time, so you don't need to construct your list every time. You just click load two or three times, drag the stuff on the table, and you're good to go. And this just takes a few minutes, which is much I- better. And we should just add that you can, of course, just load your vessel, go online and look for players. But it's uh, not so easy to find players in the game itself. That's why you you can use the Discord to find people who are not in in the vessel right now and then find a player, pair up with them and then load your vessel and then play with them there. And the other benefit of using Discord is that Discord allows you to um, have voice chat uh, on it so you, that you can use sort of separately from vessel. And it's really nice to have voice chat, especially if you're you're new at the game. Um, you don't necessarily have to have a microphone yourself, but if it's a first game and someone is to talk you through it, it's you're making it easier on them for sure by uh, by having Vassal and uh, being able to have a spoken word, so to speak. Anyway, uh, try it out. It's it's really good. Yeah, what the episode, dude. <laughs> okay, so I think that's, that's all for news that's... today. 
that sums up the news. Yeah. 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 We don't have any real news from FFG. We're still waiting on the announcement of the next uh, expan or on the next figure expansion wave, which we all suspect will be coming in a bit. But uh, we all expect that uh, this will be happening <laughs> once once Legion is out and once the marketing ma machinery for Legion uh, winds down a bit. I, I was actually just refreshing on the news page on uh, fans. <laughs> I, that being said, I do think I would be surprised if we don't hear anything about the new wave before Legion is out. Legion, we just checked up on it now, and it's set for March 22nd, so it's still oh, like that's a true, month yeah. and a half and a little bit more out. So I, I suspect we get some news before then, but okay. we'll see. We'll see. I thought Legion would release earlier than that. Didn't they say it's like either, either Christmas or shortly after Christmas? That's... March twenty second in in, in, F, in FFD terminology or typekeeping maybe March second twenty second okay. March is not that far from Christmas okay yeah maybe <laughs> okay so that's it for news we jump on right into community watch with this week we have uh, first of all Jodocast was uh, has produced a new skirmish video which you should uh, watch if you want to see the ATDP in action and of course Emperor Palpatine which is all the new rage. Then it's of course all of this is linked in the uh, show description. So if you if even if you're listening on like an Android phone or on, on on the iPhone, you should be able to scroll through the to the through the show notes and click on the links and you should be there. So um, yeah, that's that's the showcast video. The next is uh, a bit of a, a more sadder news. Uh, the listbuilderiaarmies.com closed its doors so the the website has been discontinued and it's not uh, being served anymore so all of the the links to lists to there are dead now which is a bummer but things like this happen um the the author i think he was someone posted on on the official boards that the author said that um he just lost touch with the game and he, he doesn't have any time anymore, like that much time anymore to, to maintain the site. So since uh, Tabletop Admiral, Admiral basically stepped in and covered this ground, I think he just withdrew himself instead of um, giving us a, a subpar experience or an experience that isn't updated that much. Uh, so IA Army is sadly out of commission, but uh, we still have Tabletop Admiral, which is a which was updated uh, recently, like in the last few months, and is very easy and very complete to use now. I think the next is <laughs> also to do with list building. Uh, Yeppe was has found this like just today, and there is a new uh, army list builder. Uh, on a site that is called Amoeba Games, or actually the, the site is called ftbsiters.com, and they they have list builders for Destiny, Imperial Assault, and X-Wing right now, and I assume they will be expanding into Legion soon, and maybe also include Amala. And Jeppe, do you want to talk a few words about this? Because you have looked at it. I, I just saw the, the site, and I haven't tried to build a list at all. I haven't had the chance to build a list either, except that, um, so what I see here is that it has some of the functionalities I really like in a list builder, 
and that is that you can make an account and allows you to log in so that you can save lists and more easily uh, retrieve them. It has like metadata where you can see the number of health and groups and activation and so on that you have in your list. Um, it looks it looks uh, quite fine. I haven't uh, tried to access it from my phone because um, Tabletop Atmos, which is otherwise my uh, favorite builder at this time, I think is a little bit tricky on my phone and I don't know if this is... Uh, is uh, maybe working better on a on a smartphone sort of display. There's also a, a third one called Startastic, I think it's called, which is an actual app you can download on your phone, which is uh, yeah um, also what I'm using. But um, all in all, first impressions are good. I just have to get adjusted to it being a little bit different. I thought for a moment that it did not have the cards, which I actually like to have the cards. I'm kind of visually oriented when I make lists. The cards are there visually, visibly, but you have to click on the, the title of the card and then you get a sort of smaller thing. It's it's all looking quite fine. I I think it's just, uh, yeah, it's probably going to be personal preference whether people use one or the other. I think it's always nice to have more, especially because sometimes one or the, or the other will have a hiccup or will be a little bit behind in updating and so on. So uh, the, the more the merrier. Yeah. The the new site or the new list builder loads certainly a lot fast faster than IAR uh, tables of Admiral of course. But uh, I think what it needs is like better filtering options because you have to open filters and then search by name or by type. It this this functionality I think it it works better at, in um, tables of Admiral for now. So we'll see how the 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 site here uh, on. Amoeba Games develops in the next few weeks or months, so we'll of course keep you updated about this. Alright, so that's it for uh, Community Watch, also a quick, quick section this time. And next thing up is I, I pulled up um, a rules clarification like before our game discussion because I want to cover the, the, the shorter segments before we go into the longer segments in the podcast, which means that I want to do the news, community watch, and rules clarification before we go into game discussion and lastly play experiences. Which I think that for for listeners it's a little bit better, especially if they are more interested into uh, like the news or rules clarifications or the shorter segments and don't want to scroll through the podcast uh, for that long anyway. So right now we are into the um, rules clarifications. And I was reading up on our Discord this week, and there is uh, there was chatter or there was a question about um, Maul and his interaction with Last Resort and most notably Change of Plans. For those of you who don't know, um, Last Resort is the wait, which bike is this actually coming in? Last Resort. I've, I've, Here, it I is from the it is indeed from the Arganzia. It's a mercenary skirmish attachment for one. And uh, it's, it reads, deplete this card when a figure in this group has suffered damage equal to its health. Before that figure is defeated, roll one red die. Each figure and object on or adjacent to that figure suffers damage equal to the damage results. Uh, Pazi, please correct me if I'm wrong, but this triggers this, the moment uh, Maul has damage equal to his health. Yes. Is correct? Yes. And Sorry, I, I wasn't hearing you. Yeah. I, I copied yeah. uh, the... There was a discussion thread on FFT forums, and I just copied it to the show notes. Okay, yeah. So you can you can read up uh, in the show notes the, the more detailed explanation why this is happening. But most notably, there's also another card, which is Change of Plans. Uh, 
plans. Uh, this is ac oh, it's actually a, a command card uh, from the Rebel Saboteurs pack. And it reads, use after you resolve a group's activation, exhaust one of your deployment cards, already one other deployment card of equal or lower deployment cost that shares at least one trait. So this, uh, if you're using, so if Maul has suffered um, damage equal to his health, like in the third round, so he, he survived the second round, but during the second round he um, uh, was, no, actually, if, he, if he's wounded before you activated him, he would be dying at the end of his activation. So to prevent this, you can play chance of change of plans, exhaust him, and activate another another group with equal or less cost and sharing a trade. And this would mean that um, he he still sticks around. So he will be then still counted for the purpose of control, and he would still be counted for he still doesn't give up his victory points, most notably. And I think that's it because you the soon you do anything with him outside of maybe like uh, using the Emperor to give him an attack when someone is adjacent, which is very, very, very edgy case, actually. So outside of that, I think this prevents Maul from dying, at least for a round, which could tip you over the balance if your your opponent banks on, on, on gaining these points that you have invested into Maul. And if you actually have, um, if you actually have attached Last Resort to Maul, he's actually won... A point uh, more expensive. I mean, not for the for for change of plans, but uh, it would be one more point that your uh, enemy has to find somewhere else to to score. So I think both of these cards make very good combos with Maul, and I can't see someone really exploiting this and and winning a game in spectacular fashion with these because um, I I just like it. Uh, Pazi, because I'm because you pasted it in the show notes and I just reading it. Um, Todd said last resort would deplete immediately. It is triggered by having suffered the damage before that figure is defeated. Is a timing clarification, not a trigger condition. What I'm most interested in is since uh, last resort is worth one point of uh, one victory point or one deployment point, however you want to call it. Say you deplete the card, does it still then afterwards? count for the one victory point because if you deplete cards they are not in play anymore is this or is are they still in play is the is the opponent unable to score this one one point back uh i think the scoring rules said that uh, even if the text isn't uh active anymore on the card you still get uh victory oh, points so, by defeating so the, the, the figure because it is it 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 is attached to the group still when you defeat the crew. Okay, so the, so the number is actually not part of the text on the card. That That is what I'm getting here. Well, the number... Well, the uh, scoring rule says... Uh, I think it says explicitly that uh, you score the attachment. Okay. So even if it's okay. depleted, you still score the attachment. Okay, yeah. I, I was expecting so, but just to, to have this clarified. Since we are in the rules clarification <laughs> section here. Okay, so I, I think that's... It's still a very nice interaction. I like I said, I can't wait for someone to really show how this is actually very beneficial to someone. Um, but it's so, of course sort of like a um, you still need to draw the change of plans card, otherwise you cannot do anything. Um, and the opponent, uh, well, the opponent might be able to cancel change of plans anyway. That too, yeah. If if he is able to cancel change of plans, then you're shit out of luck. Okay. 
So I think um, that's it for rules clarification. We don't have anything else uh, for this 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 week. Um, mainly also because most of the new stuff in Heart of the Empire has been cleared up, especially around the power tokens and Trocata and uh, energy shields, I think. So we will hop in right into game discussion. And before I note down the time here, um, in game discussion this week, we will continue our coverage for Heart of the Empire with Coton uh, Ferralo. But before we do that, I want to take a little bit of time to talk about the second missions of the uh, first campaign of the Legends of the Alliance, um, which is... Do these missions actually have names? I don't think so, right? Well, I think they have names. Uh, what, what happens? Okay. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I can make it, I can remember Yeah, so, so, so the, the second mission after the first mission, the first mission is uh, when you def defend the, the rebel outpost on Yavin 4 uh, from the Imperial Onslaught and you need to hold out enough rounds to make your transport ships escape. After you escape, there is some kerfuffle on board and you, you meet all the, the, the main characters of the campaign and... What happens is that somewhere uh, on Ord Mantel, I think, there is a, a side mission of acquiring supplies. And some of your crew members are being... Um, they basically get captured down there. And the second mission is all about finding out what happened to them. And then freeing them and protecting them while they get to the shuttle and having them escape. So, uh, this is one of the, the missions I, I like the most about the campaign. Because you start out without any enemies on the board. Um... The things you start out with with are to the right of your starting point. You have a a bar or a cantina with four tokens representing four and like let's call them NPC or non non player characters. Uh, you can interact with them and talk to them and find out what happened to the crew or ask them or threaten them or whatnot. Gamble with them. We'll come to to that later. Uh, then on the left side you have a terminal uh, in the hangar actually that's might provide you with access to the security um, system of the hangar and maybe if you if you uh, manage to do that you might be able to gain some additional insight into what happened to your crew and then straight ahead you have a, a dead end with three doors and in this dead end you have like a, a homeless alien sitting on the on the uh, on the floor begging for money and uh, you can also ask him what he has seen so there are no, like I said, there are no enemies when you start out, and this is I really like this setup because it's it's a very uh, a harsh 180 from uh, from what usually happens at the start of Imperial assault missions. So you first have to figure out who's going where and who's doing what. So the first thing to consider is that for a, a an interaction with the terminal, of course, you need a tech test. So the the hero with the best tech test should go there and maybe try to interact with the terminal. And then on the on the other side, on the right side, in the bar, you usually are, are interacting with people and trying to talk to them or intimidating them. So uh, tests in insight and strength, respectively, should be the way to go there. So if you have heroes that are better there, they probably should go to the right. Um, straight ahead, the, the homeless person, or the homeless alien, <laughs> he is actually begging for money. And you can give him money. Um, I... I tried to figure out how this actually interacts with, with what what you what you should be doing, but um, you can you can try to wait. I need to do my headphones here. You can try to interact with him and either give him money or threaten him. And I think giving him money doesn't require any test, but threatening him does require, of course, a strength test. 
or yeah, a strength test. And depending on how well you do, I think what happens is that he can tell you who actually in the bar has more information to you, for you. So it actually makes your, your job in the bar easier, but it doesn't get you right to your next objective. So you can, I, I found that if you really want to, to min max this mission, I found the best thing you can do is, um, have one, one, one figure or one hero with the best tech test go to the terminal and interact with the terminal. Why this is important, I'll tell you later. And the other heroes should uh, storm into the bar. And um, there you have four different neutral tokens in four different car colors. And the, the barkeeper in red, if you interact with him and if you buy a beverage from him, you become focused. So the hero who, who wants to deal the most damage for the inevitably sh uh, showing up Imperials uh, should get his focus there and then proceed to head back to the central part of the map, I think. And then you have three tokens left. The blue token, I think you can safely ignore. It doesn't do anything for the mission and it's just merely a distraction, I think. The other two um, tokens are the yellow and uh, the green one. And with the yellow, you can actually... Wait, what? what's going on here? Yeah, uh, with the yellow, you can actually gamble there and you can uh, bet some money. And after you bet, you need to, to, to do an, an inside check. And if you pass, I think you, you get double your money back or something like that. So you can gamble with your credits. But all of this takes, so the gambling itself takes one interaction. So it's one of your more valuable actions, I'd say. But you can continue your gambling streak until you, you, you actually lose. So if you are strapped for money and if you want to <laughs> roll the dice, you can certainly do so. But I'd still... I'd still wager against it if you're um, under time pressure because the longer you take the take here, the harder the the later, later part of the mission gets because people or uh, Imperials will inevitably spawn and try to slow you down even more. So uh, what you really should do is focus on the red and then the green token because the green token is actually the one that you need to interact with to advance the mission. Um, you need to open one of the three doors uh, in the corridor. You need one a key card and the green guy or it's actually i can't remember if it's a guy or a woman i don't know i i just know that she's he or she is playing some sort of instrument i think and wait just a moment yeah uh so they actually have a they actually have the key card for 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 you to proceed but the thing is you need to do an inside test after you um threatened them or you questioned them because um, this guy is actually some sort of double agent and depending on your role, either you manage to overwhelm him or uh, he's getting a shot off at you and bails or he's getting a shot off at you and he's sticking around as an enemy figure. So uh, you better make sure that this <laughs> this um, uh, inside tests really work and you have at least one or, or better two successes on this test. So you can get the most out of this and have the least distractions. And the clue in this mission is that even though you get this keycard from this green guy, you don't need to have the, the, the hero who interacted with the green token to go up to the door and open it. You can do this with any other uh, figure so or with any other hero. So what usually happens is you, you want to have the, the tech guy do his terminal stuff and stick around a bit for reasons I'll talk about later. And then uh, the guys checking out the bar should 
do so and then bail to the to one of the three doors. And then the, the last hero should interact with the green token, get the keycard and then hand it over via teleportation to his friends at the door and then they should try out which door is actually the active one. Because I also found out that um, from this point on the, the mission is kind of randomized. So you have three doors ending in like a, like a little um, dead end uh, at the end of a corridor. And only one of these three doors is going to open. And which one is actually de uh, determined by chance, I think. And the depending on which door opens, you also place you have to place different tiles. And I think the the right door is actually the hardest because it involves a lot of difficult terrain. And this is hard for you to get through and hard for, for you to get out of, which you need to do both. Uh, the left one is a bit different or it, it's also very hard because it's uh, it has a lot of... A lot of uh, distance you need to cover and the last one the, the, um, the door straight ahead is actually the easy one i think because it's um it has the least distance for for you to cover and also it has uh, not that much or not at all uh, any difficult terrain so you actually can't can't do anything about it because only one of these doors is going to open up anyway and you don't need to waste actions on trying to open the other doors because once you have opened one doors all of the other doors won't budge anyway so uh, you place the tiles and um, four tokens are going to be placed, actually five of the crate. Um, and these tokens are now your captured crewmates and you need to, to free them, which is just go up to them and interact with them and they start to run towards the shuttle. Um, the thing is they, uh, they, they, they start running as soon as uh, you interact with them and they run for four spaces or yeah, I think they run for four spaces each turn. And since they are objects and no um, and no figures, they can occupy spaces with other figures in them. So you don't need to. There's no line of sight blocking with them, and um, there's no way that they getting blocked from entering some spaces or, or whatnot. So what you should do is take one or two heroes and try to free them at roughly the same time. At best, you start with the ones farther back and then work your way to the ones closer to the door because then you have all of these tokens going like in a in a tight formation which is important because at this point all of the imperials will try to shoot them and if they die you will lose mission points and fame and 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 rewards and whatnot and the ultimate goal is to protect them until they reach the shuttle which takes three rounds i think depending on depending on which setup you get it's at least three or four rounds even and you can protect them by staying near them, like adjacent to them. And if you do, then the Imperial player or the Imperial Imperials need to shoot your figures before they can shoot on shoot the, the, the captured crewmates. Okay, so this goes on for like uh, a number of, uh, of rounds. And if you are slow in your advance and if you take too much time, there will be a, 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 a parallel event played or not played actually. It, it will be activated at the start of a round, which means that the Imperials from now on can target the captured crew mates directly, so the, you cannot protect them anymore by standing near to them. This is very problematic, especially have, if you have some some figures like Jet Troopers or, or Nexus or E-Webs who can shoot through their own figures. Um, because, yeah, the, just they, they don't care for your for your guys and just pounce them and, and shoot at them. And usually you have a hard time creating line of sight blocks against these figures. 
So, so you need to protect these guys as best as you can. And if you, uh, if you run into this parallel event, what you usually should do is try to block line of sight for all Imperials that want to shoot at your tokens. And um, this is one of the ways you can protect them still. So after they entered the, um, the shuttle, or if there are no captured crewmates left, what happens is that you need to uh, open the shuttle bay doors to let them escape actually. And this is done by interacting with the terminal again. But the clue is, you don't need to do this at this time. You can also do this right after you uh, checked it out for secure for for any um, what's it called for any clues about your crewmates at the start of the mission. Or if you don't, if you want to skip this terminal and interacting interacting with this terminal at all, you can uh, after you free the first crewmate, you can interact with it and um, uh, and open the crew uh, open the, the hangar bay doors directly. So you, you don't need to wait until the end of the mission to do that. To do that, this can actually make the difference between you losing some heroes or or, or losing some some figures or not. So keep that in mind. It's certainly very valuable to know that. Um, so maybe post some some of your ranged guys there that don't want to move that much and have them shoot at all of the Imperials that are on the other side. And maybe if, if there is uh, an action you can spare, just interact with the terminal. You need to do it anyway to complete the mission. So you might as well do it earlier when you're when it's more at your convenience. So that's uh, that's the deal with the terminal, basically. And after that's done, mission's over. And um, what I should uh, say uh, is that also, depending on your the result of the first mission, there is a high chance that you will be visited by IG-88, especially if you're playing the hard campaign. Uh, and IG is certainly a tough opponent in the, in the app, but you should be able to to hamper him. What uh, The problem with IG is he still has recover in his campaign version, so you need to be... You need to make sure that if you're attacking him during a round, you need to also finish him off. Otherwise, your attacks don't do that much. So... Uh, you should try to, uh, if you are actually attacking him, you should try to finish him off also. The good thing about this is that he acts as, a, if he shows up, he acts as sort of an equalizer to the mission. If you are, if the, the, the app say, sees that none of you guys are wounded, all of the uh, crewmates are still alive and they are advancing very well and you clear a lot of figures, the problem is the app is a little bit of behind and it will deploy IG-88 and give him like... <laughs> Two, two red die or a red and a yellow die to to basically wreck you um, for like a round and then he will dial the app will dial itself back to like using two green die or, or even two blue die to to equalize its output a bit and not to to stomp you into the ground too hard so it's certainly a nice idea and I think it works very very well and creates a sort of tension to, towards the end of the mission still even if you even if you your performance in the first few uh, rounds of the mission is very good and disproportionately good. Okay, so I think that's that's a basic overview over the mission and how to 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 figure out what you need to do. So let's go through the round and see if anyone else has to uh, has anything to say. I, I I see in our in our our chat channel we have some some new visitor. Alistair, do you want to say hi? Just making sure you can hear me. Yeah, we hear you. Okay. Hooray! Yeah, okay, yeah, that that's fine. Yeah. So let's yeah, all yeah. miss a beat. Go straight on. Yeah. yeah no. Uh, let's start with you. Do you have do you have played the mission? And do you want to say anything about the mission? Or catching up on the mission. But um, 
No, I, I think I, nothing to add on, on what Yeppe said. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Yeppe, do you wanna wanna keep going or or have anything else to add to what I uh, said about the mission? Is Yeppe even here? He posted that he he's away, but I don't know. Yeah, he's not he's not back anymore. So he will be back shortly. Uh, Pazi, you wanna go ahead if you have something to say about the mission? Uh, I think, uh, like you said, uh, if you have, have someone to interact with the terminal, then you can as well interact twice uh, during the same activation very early on. That's also true, yeah. Very early on on the mission. Yeah. And um, Yeah, I think the, once you figure out uh, where to go and how to optimize your, your path through the, ma through the map, it should be a, a much easier mission than the first time around you play it. Like, it's... If you, are, if you are doing it the first time on hard and you don't know how the mission works, it's certainly very, very hard, I think. And to get a grasp on, on how to best lay out your strategy. But once you get the hang of it, it's it's pretty, pretty doable, I think, even on hard. Because my players were playing it on hard um, and they managed to, to save all of the, the crew. But two of them were wounded, which isn't that big of a deal. And... But the, the thing is, um, we we were not playing with the the new patch already because it was two weeks ago when the the, the new patch with the with the new figures or with the figures from the expansions wasn't out yet, and we will do in the next session with the new figures. And I think we are designed for a bit of a surprise here. So, Yepa, uh, since you are back now, uh, do you want to say any last words about the the second campaign mission? Um. <clears throat> it's the only one I missed when I played the campaign through uh, the second time, which was on hard. This was also well before the new patch that added uh, the, the new uh, deployment groups. Now, um, I knew the mission, so there shouldn't be a lot of stuff coming as a surprise. But I have to say, on my second playthrough of the campaign, playing on hard, I was also playing a bit of an hard ass. I was playing uh, mercenaries and I decided to be a little bit like attitude so <laughs> let's just say my interaction in that cantina was um, less than friendly which <laughs> meant that I had a, I like it, I like it. <laughs> which meant that I lost a lot of fame along the way now I don't care um, I think I ended up going into the thing on the right which meant that I had the whole uh, difficult terrain to to yeah, to trouble me, as you mentioned earlier. And yeah. uh, I think I did a pretty good effort of getting all of the crew members sort of shepherded out of there. Uh, but then I lost from both my heroes. I have played only two heroes, having been defeated. Uh, because I was so busy on, on keeping the crew members safe that I kind of forgot my, my own guys. Um, and yeah, that's how it... Uh, Ended. Now that I've now that I've sort of got my speed up, I would say that I, I found I succeeded flying colors all four success on hard my second time around, whereas I'd failed it on my easy first play. And I think it was just sort of knowing what was coming. I ended up creating quite a helpful diagonal line back to the ship of my heroes to block everybody every time. Um, but the other thing I noticed, and, and I need to look into more, is just how different uh, spawning locations between easy and hard or medium and hard. Um, because it felt like the where the bad guys spawned, again, before the new enemies had been added, um, in the hard version was easier for me to manage um, in terms of keeping the crew alive. Uh, where did the, 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 the Imperials spawn in hard mode for you? On my first run through, they spawned to the far right of the map, so in the sort of the, the lower cantina the area, and in the yeah. hard run through, they were around the ship. But they just didn't give themselves terribly 
strong line of sight options. Um, okay. Funnily enough, I actually asked a question about this in the Discord chat when I first went through because I, the first time, the one I did very poorly, I was playing Mac and uh, I was continually finding eWebs that wanted to shoot a crew member, tried to shoot a Mac instead, couldn't shoot Mac because of his over range 4, and I couldn't decide whether they would then go back to the, uh, um, go, go back to the crew member or not. Um, yeah, um, Pasi, do you wanna wanna weigh in on this? What what is happening when Mac is actually defending one of the crew members, and an Imperial figure wants to shoot at Mac, but is out of range for targeting him? Uh, well, as Britain, I think that uh, uh, it wouldn't shoot at uh, either one because okay, because uh, that was how I interpreted uh, yeah. it. Try, tries to hit the. Uh, tries to hit the um, the crew member, but is told if there's a rebel hero within one, it has to try to target that, which of course it then does, but has no line of sight to that hero. So I figured it, I interpreted it as being the same as if the covering hero was behind some kind of line of sight or cover, yeah. uh, which yeah, just so meant you... I moved to the next action. Okay. Didn't you have line of sight to any other hero? Or any other... So... This was Wouldn't Ewebs. This, this was Ewebs okay. kind of coming into the far left of the bar. So okay. at, at, yeah, in that exact yeah. instance, no, it was just Mac or none. But uh, as I said, weirdly, that was the mission I, I lost, whereas when I was playing hard later, I ended up with a funny list with Mern and things. I managed to get them all back, so knowledge <laughs> is power. It's a, it's a good point with the whole string of things, which I obviously didn't do, but I also couldn't, because when I played on hard, I only had two uh, figures, which is probably also why I had to spend an inordinate amount of my actions on keeping up with them, uh, in a sense, or being in the right position um, than, than the other things I needed to do. Yeah, the, this mission is certainly much harder with two heroes than it is with four. Yeah, yeah. Because of the the area you can cover. Hey, yeah. okay. How, how about uh, was was your? How about uh, I think this was this uh, search for Darpik. Was your Darpik very uh, uh, sort of uh, bleeding when you found found her? Oh, you mean that the mission name is Search for Darpik? Yeah. Or because there is an event too before the mission starts on the. On the freighter, which is called... No, it's not Search for Blood. I mean, when you interacted with know. the crew, did you find anyone very gravely wounded? Oh, wait. Yeah, yes. So, so you have to... Did I think you have to expand one mat pack to, to get this guy on his feet again, and then it's just like normal. But I didn't attach any meaning to this. Is there anything I missed? No, it's just that uh, you chose to heal him instead of... Uh, uh, keeping the med pack for yes. yourself. Yes. So does this does this actually change the interaction after the mission? Well, I don't know, but uh, I was just curious. Okay. Okay. How yeah. This yeah. Goes. I'm, because uh, from I'm your, the good guy. From I your, think your uh, explanation, I have just changed the right uh, right side uh, room, so it was nice to hear about the other possibilities. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my 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 players in my offline players actually discussed very heavily if they should if they should um, maybe spend a med pack on this guy when they actually might want to need it themselves. So <laughs> it was a as well as it was a deep discussion. But in the end, they also tried to uh, they also gave the, gave the med pack up and uh, and tried to rescue the guy. So okay, so with that, I think this concludes the our discussion on the second uh, mission of the the app campaign. Next up will be the third mission, which is one of, the, I think, one of the longer missions in this in this campaign. But more on that uh, later. So uh, this brings us straight into our coverage of Heart of the Empire again, 
And this is the second to last coverage we will do. This time talking about the third rebel hero included in the box, Kotun Feralo. Wait, I need to note the time here. Oh. And Kotun is one of the more interesting heroes, depending or, or talking about tokens. Um, yeah, but do you want to go over the hero sheet of Kotun? You bet I do. And I'm really happy we're going to talk about him because uh, I'm starting a new campaign on Monday and I'll be playing Rebel. And I mm -hmm. plan to play Kotun because it's the only one I haven't seen in a campaign before. That's not true because I actually played him in my first app campaign for the very same reason. But it's the first time, it'll be the first time I see him in a, a proper campaign. So uh, I, I plan to probably play him from Monday onwards. All right, so... He reads Kotun, oh sorry, she reads Kotun Feralo, Rebel Quartermaster. She's got 12 health, 4 endurance, speed 4, black defense die. Her uh, attributes are 1 blue for strength, blue, green, yellow for inside, and blue, green for tech. And she's got uh, two immediate abilities. The first one is arms distribution, it's one strain. Use at the start or end of your activation. You gain one damage power token or one block power token. Then another friendly figure within three spaces gain one damage power token or one block power token. Limit once per activation. Secondly, she's got stockpile. When a friendly figure within three spaces interacts with a crate, that figure may drive five supply cards and choose one non-valuable card to keep, shuffling the others back into the deck. I like her. So, uh, yeah, but do you wanna wanna cover the service rifle too? Uh, sorry. Do you wanna cover her standard weapon too? Uh, yeah, and maybe I should add that um, it's all the usual stuff. When she's wounded, she loses the second part, which was the stockpile with drawing cards, and yeah. her endurance and speed is reduced by one, and a number of her dice are changed to red in her attributes. She uh, begins play with a service rifle. It's a blaster and rifle for keywords. It has a ranged attack that's blue and green. And it has only one search ability, which is search for two accuracy. And it has another ability which reads, while attacking with this weapon, you may reroll one attack die. It has slots for one modification. And the uh, fluff reads, standard issue for soldiers of the rebellion. I wish. <laughs> I mean, this. Uh, I think it's one of the better starting weapons to have because it's uh, with blue green, and the option for an attachment. You can you can do a decent amount of damage in the first third of the campaign for sure. I and yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. Carry on. Uh, especially if you f uh, factor in the reroll, which with a green die, a reroll is certainly very good because it becomes very consistent, and you can. You can use her to, to mop up the floor with leftover stuff, which uh, the, the players in my offline campaign of Heart of the Empire did. And she was very good in the first few uh, first few missions with that. So I really like this weapon, and it's certainly better than, than I think, many other starting weapons of heroes. So I'm, I'm guessing that... Um, I was about to say the maximum damage you can do is probably lower but that's not right because anyway you can never have more than four symbols on the dice obviously and uh, and uh, there's no starting weapon that i can recall that has a search for two damage so um i was about to say that the ceiling was higher and that's probably not the case but it's maybe a little bit more tricky to get uh 
damage out of it compared to those who have search for damage but the reroll i agree is really good and especially if you have abilities or maybe modifications that can be uh, be triggered but uh, like most starting weapons it's probably not something you want to hold on for too long no for sure not i mean depending on your composition she can she can make use of her of her rifle much longer than some other characters can make use of their starting weapons so if depending on your composition she might be the last to upgrade and still be viable um but like you said the, the reroll itself i think the reroll is worth like half a damage point at, on a surge at least if not if not more so she's doing she's doing quite some work i think so also notice that uh, if she gets searches then she can use them to recover and and uh, yes. she has the uh, damage damage power token to, yeah, to she, spend. She's getting so, the power token. So yeah. she yeah. can uh, sort of rotate that. She can uh, give, yeah. give herself like a said, power token, spend it. If there is a search, she can recover that. So yeah. so the yeah. actual uh, actual damage ceiling is, is a little bit higher than you would think from the dice alone. And of course, yeah, yeah. the reroll gives uh, great uh, consistency even without search abilities for damage or pierce. Okay, so uh, Pazi, do you want to go over the first 1 XP card? Yes, uh, auxiliary training, 1 XP. Exhaust this card while a friendly figure is attacking or defending. If that figure spent a power token during this attack, it may reroll one attack, one of its die. One of its dies. Improved tools won't help uh, you so this... if you don't know how to use them. Yeah, <laughs> so this is certainly um, very good for consistency's sake. I, I'm i actually tempted to take the other 1xp card for for obvious reasons, but this is still good, I mean... Well, my question yeah. here is sort of like, what's, which, which hero has the worst starting weapon? And then if you put them with Kotun, suddenly... It's much better because you've now got a power up via token likely and then possibly a re Who really gets a better start out of the gate as a result of being paired up with Kotan? I've I've generally thought that the biggest problem in terms of starting weapon was Biv, or at least thought that that was one of his many problems. But I've also heard people make a good case for Verena in the sense that she has two starting weapons, and that means that the individual one is a little bit, maybe a little bit less powerful. Yeah, Verena, um, there might be also a case to be made for Loku. Uh, for the sole reason that his starting weapon, I think it's not that great. Let's look it up. Yeah, That's Pierce, his starting right? weapon, oh. he, yeah, he only has a search for weakening and a search for Pierce 1 on, on a blue and a green die again. So, I, he, he's, I, I think he's rolling the same dice as her, but he's lacking a reroll. He doesn't have any way to add damage, unlike Kotun, who can distribute power tokens. And this makes him very weak because he needs to spend two strain on one target uh, to to place the power to place his recon token and get the plus one damage on this on this target. But after that, he's not that useful anymore. While with Kotun, you are more flexible in this effect, I'd say. So. Um, I'd say he he's also one of the the heroes that might benefit very much from Kotun. But the the downside is that he's also one of the ranged characters who who would compete with her for the same weapons if you're having party composition in mind. So I'm not sure if this is actually a good idea to take him with her. I think also Max uh, Log Blaster with two uh, blue dice is uh, one of the worst. 
Yes, he, he also, yeah, two blue dice on, on Mac is also very bad, yeah. That might also be very good. But again, it's it's like they, they are fighting for the same weapons again. Um, so might not be a good idea. So Biff and Verena might be a more natural uh, fit for, yeah. for um, Kotun, So, But I'd also say with Mac, he's one of the few that has a surge both for a pierce and one for a uh, damage. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but two blue is uh, very inconsistent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. The reroll for the reroll for Mac would certainly be a great help. I've seen too many two surge rolls from him already. Okay, and, uh, I think so, I uh, think also yeah, go. if uh, if uh, your company or other heroes have uh, the yellow die in in their starting weapons, this might be might be good. Mm-hmm, yeah. But uh, like you said. Uh, the other one is probably what uh, you should be going for. Okay, so uh, the next one XP card, uh, Alistair, you wanna cover it? You got it. What? Sorry about that. So this okay. is the one you prefer. This is inch by inch. Uh, yes. XP, exhaust this card during your activation. You and another friendly figure within three spaces each gain one movement point. And Yepe's flavor test, uh, text, press forward troops, we're gaining ground. Side note, uh, before any commentary about the status of the quality of these cards in a game thing, Kotun must have the worst flavor text of any of the upgrade cards I've ever read. Every single one of them makes me cringe. Yeah, yeah I prefer to not read them. <laughs> they are, if you, if you do like this sort of stuff, they are usually better than this. This one is just, she does not sound like a person you'd want to share beer with. Yeah. I think more or less oh, the, her flavor text, it's like defined by her pointing with her hand with a figure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, about the card itself, this is like a, a poor man's version of... Um, um, who's that here? Fan? Fan. And what's his Tactical card? Tactical movement. Tactical movement, yeah, where, where you exhaust it for two movement points on or yourself or an ally within free spaces. Um, I think it's this good. Is, it's, this it's is better. works differently. Sorry? Yeah. You have to go. Uh, Pazzi, go ahead. I think it's not the poor man's version. I think it's a different version that is quite good. It does something different, and it's still a really good card. Pazi, you, you wanted to say something too? Yeah, the difference is that uh, Fen needs to use uh, tactical uh, movement at the start of his activation. Here, Kotun can, can use this at That's any true. time. That's true. Which, uh, That's true, yeah. Which gives uh, very, very good uh, flexibility. The reason why I said it's the poor man's version is because... Uh, twice gaining one movement point is, in my eyes, it's, it's not it's not as powerful as once gaining two movement points, like like significantly less powerful. Uh, it helps with with group cohesion, but it doesn't help with actually reaching objectives because objectives sometimes or most of the time, I'd say you need to reach an objective with one of your heroes, but not two of your heroes. It's really great and getting. It's great for clearing line aside and getting two, or if a figure, you don't have to sure. worry about whether a figure is blocking some spot you need to get to, to a door yeah, it, or whatever. And yeah, I'm just I'm just talking about the raw power level where you want to uh, have a card that gives you movement. I I personally I I feel that uh, gaining one movement point twice is a significantly down the significant downgrade from gaining two movement points at once for one figure for the reasons I said because if you have four uh, hero figures on the board and you have spaces for these figures to be um, the nature of the of the game is that um, usually you are hindered by this due to some enemy placement or whatnot and with 
two movement points on one figure, you can gain more significant ground than with twice a movement point on one figure, uh, on, 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 on two different figures. So I, that, that the raw power level of the card is certainly for, in my, in my eyes is not as high as tactical movement, but like Yepa said, it's, it's very good to, to do, to enable line of sight shenanigans yeah. with either yourself I, I, or I the enemies. This is, this is her big group single card. I think if you, if you're in a four per, four hero group, you choose. But if you're in a two, you probably choose auxiliary training. I mean, it's nice that she's got one for. And yeah, uh, sure. Stefan, you have to remember that uh, tactical movement is uh, one of the two best cards in the game. Sure, I know, I know. But now imagine if you have both Finn and her in the same uh, group. And imagine you have both. Oh, yeah, you have Fen, her, and Shyla. <laughs> I don't That's want so to cool. imagine. You can only do that to the app AI. You wouldn't want to do that to a human being. <laughs> you can just run through the whole mission in one round. <laughs> okay, so, um, uh, Pazzi, have you read a card already? Yeah. yeah, I think you have, right? So, so it's my turn now. Uh, first two XP card is Combat Logistics. Uh, the first effect is Exhaust this card when a friendly figure within three spaces performs a rest. That figure gains one damage power token. At the start of each mission, this is the second effect now, at the start of each mission, draw one supply card. I haven't seen this in action, but for 2 XP, this doesn't seem to be as good as it should. The reason why I'm saying this is because uh, when we were playing with our group, we had Colton in the party, and by the end of the campaign, there was there were a few instances where the heroes you wanted to place power tokens on already had two power tokens on them. So... The, all of the effects you had to actually play around and do stuff and with combat logistics this effect would then be moot uh, because you do, you you have you have your hero resting or you other hero resting but he already has two power tokens on them and you cannot use combat logistics on them which is then a little bit of a bad feel feel bad moment and again with the with this tier of, of XP cards I prefer I much more prefer the other two I don't know if you have any other thoughts about combat, combat logistics <laughs> I think that you know it, it's, a, it's a gambler's card for sure because sometimes you're gonna draw something that will completely define the mission and sometimes you're gonna draw some you're gonna draw chance cubes um, so you know people who like <laughs> high risk high reward, cool. sometimes they can get an item right at the start that really change it yeah yeah, I, I was I was intentionally leaving out the uh, the the other effect because the other effect I think it scales very very hard with how many um, big box expansions you already own and how many of these big box expansion um, supply cards you shuffle together. If you have all of the big box expansions like I do, the deck is so large that drawing one of these cards doesn't doesn't feel like that much of a boon. I, you you might get something okay. You might get something completely useless for the rest of the mission. Like I mean, most of the times you can use these cards, but I don't know. At it's least just, you get it at the start of the mission. Yeah, you get it at the start, so you know what you get and you can plan with it. So yeah. I just wanna. Um, I I totally agree. It's not a card that I would value particularly well, but um, also not certain why it's a two XP. Where some of the one XP cards f seems better, but if you have the um, oh, what's this called the more recent modification, whereas whenever you use a power token, you get twice the effect. 
Well, yeah, it's one of the. We will talk about this in the next episode where we go over the. Trying to say is that. Wait, I'll, I'll look it up. If you have that one, then I think it's definitely worthwhile to um to consider that one. Oh, wait, where, where do I? Have? Yeah, it's uh in tier three power of charger. the Heart of the Amber. It's called Power Charger for four hundred credits. <laughs> it's an accessory, actually, not an attachment. Uh, while attacking gain uh, gain search. Uh, for gain one damage or one search power token and exhaust this card when you spend a damage or a search power token to apply plus two of the symbol on that token uh, to the results instead of the yeah. plus one. Yeah, and when I so. see it's exhaust and reminder of that, maybe it's uh, <laughs> it's less needed because yeah. you have plenty of power tokens to give out. Yeah. I mean, but would this not it's be much good. better in the Legends of Alliance? Because not only has the supply deck been milled a little bit down, but... Um, so you're more likely to get a better card, but also it's pretty easy to get that card that allows you to draw two, choose one. Draw two, choose one. Which one? Is this a supply card? This is the um, whenever you draw a supply card, draw two. Uh, the names yeah. give me the moment. I don't know if they reply in this case. I, I imagine rebel supplies or some such. One of the ones you, you can't even get in the campaign. It's a uh, what's the word? For I know which one you. Not a boon. I know which one you are. Oh, it's an it's a reward card which you get for a side mission, right? It's. It's actually in the core box, I think. Um, wait, let me. You can get it in the Legends of the Alliance uh, core box or re, uh, core box yes. campaign. It is called. I, I'm not sure if it would apply I to this draw, it. but since it says draw Rebel one. Recon. Yeah, it is called Rebel Recon, Rebel Recon, and it reads: When a hero draws a supply card, he draws one additional supply card. He chooses one to keep and places the other on the bottom of the supply deck. And since cartoons read that. You draw the card; it actually should work. Is this correct, Fuzzy? Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, that's very, that's very good. And this, I think, the Rebel Recon reward you can get through an intermission uh, event from the in the Legends of the Alliance campaign. If you only have the core box selected, it actually comes up very frequently, I think. But if you only have the core box selected, you also cannot play Cartoon. So <laughs> there's a bit of a catch twenty two going on here. I, I've only played okay, it twice, so... but I got it both times. But I, I maybe assume yeah, yeah, you yeah. always get it. But uh, but yeah, uh, no, you don't. You don't. This might be a little bit better. Yeah, you you get you get uh, if you only have the core box selected, you get the the reward cards from the core box, like like cycled through and randomized. So I had the adrenal implant, I had the rebel recon, and I think and some some of the others I had too. Uh, so you don't get the same one each time. Ah, uh, see, I I, okay. I set my collection to hundred right from the very first play, and I got um, the adrenal implant and rebel recon both times. So I sort of assumed. They were the two they yeah, wrote stories for. Without the patch, I think uh, the other reward cards. I think the other reward cards are still not in. Pasi, do you know this actually? No, no, I don't. If they, okay, because I, I think the 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 patch notes of the of the app only said that uh, the enemy figures will now be used, but it didn't mention any of the other reward cards. And I have my I have my collection checked to full, and I also until now. I haven't played with the patch yet, but until now, I only got reward cards from the core box. So that might, if it's still that way for now, Cotoon might be fairly viable with the common logistics in the app. Okay, so uh, Paz, you want to read the next card? Okay, I'll dig into it. <laughs> <laughs> dig in, uh, one strain. Exhaust this card when an attack targeting a friendly figure within two spaces is declared to apply plus two blocks to the defense results. This is amazing. I'm this 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 card cost me so much headache when I was playing against it. The uh, I don't know it's because so what's happening is at the start of the um, of the st- at the start of the mission 
you have all of these heroes bunched up and the first attack the Imperial player is taking usually happens to be, or uh, the first activation usually doesn't happen to be uh, Kotun, so she can basically use this card twice in the first round, mitigating up to four damage, which you you can also not attack and it's the same result. So uh, I had very bad experience against this in the in I think mission three and four where I I was attacking heroes in the first round that I was doing one or twice. Tw I was attacking twice and dealt one damage each, and that's what that was all in the first round I dealt in total. Which this was a bit disheartening. It's just I think it's a strong card, but I also think it loses a bit of uh, a bit of grip and. In the later stages of the, of the campaign, at least in the second or in the middle part, where you start to encounter enemy troops like the Trandoshan Hunters that have an easy search for Pierce 2 on them. So everything that has like good Pierce values is a good counter against that, but it's not a good enough counter to make this a, a, a mediocre card. I, I think it's still a very good card. At least you have to exhaust it uh, when uh, the attack is declared. Without, yeah, I know. You, that that's the only downside. Yeah, but it's still. I mean, try trying to figure out if it, like if a if a focused figure is attacking me, there's no there's immediately no discussion. Even if there is a a figure that has strong surges, there's also almost no discussions in should I exhaust it or not because the uh, the the alternative is not to exhaust it and keeping it for a later attack, which might have only the so the same damage potential so uh there is the decision to exhaust this card is very easy i feel um um con considering other exhaust cards that have a little bit of a harder decision to make it's another one i, I don't know why i'm sticking with this but i, I keep thinking about how good this card is compared to a two person or a four hero two hero or four hero mission because you know obviously being able to do it twice because it's a two activation round would be great yeah but are you as likely to be as close together? Probably not. You can use it on yeah, yourself that, as well, right? Yes, you can use it on yourself too, which is still good enough. I think this this card doesn't lose anything if you're playing with two heroes, um, but it also doesn't get stronger or something like that. So it's it's a, it's a nice balance, I think. Uh, okay, so Yepa, you wanna uh, <laughs> read the next guy? Fire support, fire support specialist. Let's start with the amazing thematic texture, just for Alistair. Direction, <laughs> 1650, distance, 700, on my mark, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> this is, I, I can hear Alistair cringing in I his can, I can just hear the kids in the back of the class just going, boo. Listen, <laughs> he was not popular in Co school. Cartoon is just out of uh, out of uh, West Point, right, or whatever it is in uh, yeah. <laughs> Galaxy Far Far Away, and she's she's she really knows her textbook. All right, fire support specialist. It costs you one strain and exhausts this card when a friendly figure within three spaces spends a power token during an attack. Remove one defense die from the defense pool. Nice one, I say. Yeah, it's. I mean, three XP and one strain. I can't. I don't see it as being overpowered, but it's it's also not a weak effect. I, removing oh. like like removing a, a white die from a uh, from an imperial officer just so you can get rid of it. Diala has to spend two strain to remove a defense die, right? Yes, and she yes. can only do it on her own attacks, and she can. Yes, of course, she gets it for free. It's a starting ability, but still. Yeah, for three XP, I. 
uh, again, uh, with the with the free XP cards, the second one is the one my heroes chose. But I think the decision to which uh, which is better is certainly uh, much harder for me in the, between the free XP cards uh, compared to one XP and two XP cards. So it's a good card. I I can see its uses, and depending on what you are facing. Since it's well, it's one of these cards you take in the middle of the campaign or at the end of the campaign. You already know your the preference of your imperial player, and you can stylize your your XP choices a little bit against that. But um, yeah, it's a good effect. It's nice. It's consistency, and Kotun is all about consistency. Consistency. I think this is a bit of a trap. I disagree. I, I think this is. I think if you're already adding a power token, um, this can feel you know really comforting for you know if you're trying to kill an officer for the guarantee. But actually, I think if, if you are, are powering up and then sort of investing in this as well, you're, you're probably um, maybe not making the, the, the really tactical or sensible moves you should make. Like, uh, it's sort of, it, I, I think this can be very alluring and you can think, therefore, I'm going to be able to take down that ATDP or it'll be, it'll be easy. And uh, I don't think it's actually as helpful as, uh, as you might hope sometimes. Well, it's an insur- insurance. And uh, yeah, if, if you have a Vinto in your, in your hero... Uh, Makeup, then this is not as needed as uh, as uh, you say. Yeah, it it it, it kind of depends on your composition again, but usually you don't have that many effects that uh, remove dice or or have uh, the defenders reroll dice. So most of the time, this should be a viable option. And I I have to disagree with Alistair a bit. Um, this even if you're using it on a black die, the average damage you you get more through is like two. So that's basically a free two damage for one strain and an exhaust. I think if, uh, if uh, the figure of tagging which is okay, I think. doesn't have pairs and you're attacking a black guy, then it's uh, definitely also worthwhile considering. Yeah. Okay, uh, Alistair, next card? Absolutely. Oh, wait a minute. Wh- whose so, who's turn is it? Is it Alistair's? I think so. No, I think so too. Go ahead. So uh, let's talk about Opportunist, one of my favorite um, skirmish cards. So, uh, 4-3 experience. Apply plus 2 health and plus 1 speed to your hero. And also, after a friendly figure within 3 spaces resolves an attack, if that figure spent a power token, you may move 1 space. And the quote, any chance to gain advantage must be seized. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. She might be a Sith. She sure does speak a lot that? of absolutes. Yeah. Um, I'll... This card is... Amazing. I mean, yeah, I can't see anything wrong with this card. It's getting, it's getting your health. It's getting your mobility. This gives you additional mobility. This is great. You need to, you, you need to stay with your team for some of your uh, stuff to work, like dig in or supplying tokens, or inch by inch. And this helps you get to your team. So it's amazing. And it's not exhaust, so you can uh, trigger it several times. Yeah, yeah, sure. I also think even with their starting gun, whatever you give her later, uh, heroes like this, you know, they benefit from the extra speed because they'll just be able to get that line of sight on who the Imperial player doesn't want to get killed. So it's really, it yeah. really helps her being able to be like, yep, I can get there and I can shoot him. Great card. Nothing more to say about this. That's why I was saying the other one was bad. <laughs> That's right. I got my own back. The other one isn't bad. <laughs> it's just not as good. Like it's not. It's not like the the tier one, uh, the one XP and two XP cards where one is definitively the the choice you might want to take if you want to win so <laughs> i don't know okay so um good card take it uh run with it like literally seize it uh, f- it's an advantage seize it. to be seized <laughs> yeah it's an advantage <laughs> <God. laughs> um so first 4xp card is self-sufficient 
When you spend a power token, apply plus two of the symbol on the token to the results instead of plus one. And this doesn't need to be exhausted or anything else. And it has an additional effect, which is uh, once one strain, exhaust this card during your activation to gain one uh, power token of your choice. So it's a question mark power token. And the flamer text. Sometimes leadership can take you, can only take you so far. I don't know why she's saying that in this case because it doesn't make any sense because all she do is lead. But she probably has like a poster uh, in her like apartment that says "Live, Laugh, Love." <laughs> you know, all of those quotes were stuff live. I had drilled into me when I was in the officer academy. It doesn't say "Live, Laugh, Love." It does say "Live, Lead, Love." Definitely. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so uh, this card is like the overcharged version of the power converter or whatever it's called. Um, that's, I mean, the only, the only thing is you need to kit her out of her weapon to actually make use of this, right? So uh, if she doesn't have uh, access to a good weapon, this is less of a good idea to take than maybe the other card. So yeah, other than that, I, I don't have anything. It's interesting it's a that good most card. of her abilities I've noticed don't really, really sort of need her to stop being a firing force in the same way that some other heroes do. So yeah, you know, she's she's gonna remain a turret for most of the game. So I, I think it's she's usually a good target for a nice gun. That's why I think. Uh, I think this one is sort of the one that makes her stronger, whereas the other four XP is the one that does sort of the more support thing. I think all of her other cards are basically very team oriented and support oriented. Outside of this card, I mean that the the title itself, self sufficient, hints at that. Uh, but it's still strange well, to see obviously it in this, deck, this is like, all her as well, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, but you want to move her so she can use her other abilities on her on her allies most of the time. I, at least that's what the, that's what the, the 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 group I played with did with her and opportunist, of course. So she can she can be where she needs to be to use her other abilities, not to to actually attack herself. So or to get herself out of danger. Sometimes they used it for that too, but uh, most of the time it was just to give the the squad more. More sticking power and her like more ability to stay with the squad. While self-sufficient is there, there is no way to 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 actually use this effect on someone else or to 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 interpret it as using it in 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 someone else's favor. So it's just really uh, all our hair on this card. Uh, okay, so since no one wants to talk about self-sufficient anymore, it's a good card. So let's go on to Squad Cohesion. I don't know whose turn this is. Uh, let's go with Parsi. Yeah, let's go with uh, Parsi. Squad Cohesion. At the start of each mission, distribute four wild power tokens among rebel figures. Wild is the term I was looking for. Yeah, but uh, oh, uh, power token of your choice is a good uh, description yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. And you notice it's uh, among rebel figures. So if you have uh, allies, you can distribute to them as well. Oh, you spoiled the thing I was mm-hmm. going to say. Yeah, I, I, yeah, love putting that on your allies. The card isn't over yet. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> There's even more. There's even the more. The second part. <laughs> a rebel figure can use power tokens in the play areas of friendly figures within three spaces. Of him. And the, I think the best one, friendly figures within two spaces of you can use any power token as uh, damage, uh, evade, search, or block power token. And I'm going to to say this now: opportunist and squad cohesion together are broken as shit. This is actually this was also causing me very very much trouble in the mid campaign until I started winning again. Because with this, a, a team that 
is like well oiled can wipe your board by the end of the first turn and complete objectives like no man's business. These four power tokens plus the ability to use them as anything plus her giving out another power tokens and plus two times dig in all for free strain and if you have opportunist she's moving for free also that's just i don't know it's so i was looking at it and i couldn't believe how good this is i mean it's just the, the only our, consolation i got is the, that uh, of the heart of the empire campaign we were playing as the rebels we had her and we just suddenly found like the first third of the mission just felt like on easy mode we just came out of the gates yes screaming yeah. out uh, it didn't yeah. end up... We didn't stick with it, though. So it will give you... This is what I mean about she can make you a little overconfident. It made us feel so powered up. But actually, after those power tokens were spent, it sort of went down a bit. I, I was thinking about it, and I'm not actually sure that this that is actually the fault of the hero itself. I think that has more to do with the, the missions in the Heart of the Empire campaign, where some of these missions, they start out like trickling a bit but then such a huge waterfall of stuff comes crashing down on you and what i think is that the the trick to the the heart of the empire campaign missions is that you need to figure out a way to 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 not only clear enough to advance but also to keep enough of your stuff back for this inevitable crashing of of uh, of water on your head like you need to 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 brace for this impact and if you don't do it if you overextend yourself you're just getting demolished and even even this can't help you anymore like i saw it happen but the first the first time they got it it was very it was very troubling to see that you can really really put the hurt on the imperial player with this uh, the one thing that i noticed is that i can bait uh, the rebels to use them as uh, block power tokens. Still, I mean, using them as block power tokens is also not bad. <laughs> I mean, well, you, you, they're still using it for for a beneficial effect, and if they're using it in conjunction with dig in, sometimes, uh, like, um, is it on Diala, for instance? If if she if you pair her with Diala, and the the other player or the imperial player is shooting at Diala, you don't roll a dodge. But you have used dig in, and she's using a, a block power token. There's a very little chance that you actually get through. And if you have the, the XP card for Diala, all of a sudden she's focused. Yay! That's I mean, it just works so good with her. I don't know. She's uh, she's even though I think Drakada is better to remove figures. I think overall, uh, Kotun has a better potential to scale into other campaigns as well because she's. She's so much. Uh, she's a hybrid supporter between dealing damage and and giving support, but her support is really strong. I mean, this card, I I, can, I still can't believe it. So, just but embrace no fun parties. So one of you needs to go first. So that's that's what's happening. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead. That's where embrace the suffering is uh, is maybe interesting. The uh, the the interesting thing with squad cohesion is that if you are activating a figure with the um, Embrace the suffering from the power of the dark side, uh, Imperial class. I don't think you have access to the third one because you're no longer a friendly figure. But the figure you're attacking with is still rebel, so you can actually use power tokens on other figures. But there's yeah. probably so many power tokens around that at some point they're just not going to necessarily care about the fact that you're using one of them around. One of them, yeah. That 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 is also why why my players had the the unfortunate 
effect that sometimes they had so much power tokens in play, or so many power tokens in play, that some of these, like the, 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 the card we talked about earlier, the combat logistics where you get a, a damage power token after rest, this wouldn't have helped them anyway, because usually the, the, the figures that needed power, damage power tokens already had them on anyway. So that wasn't actually an issue for them. They used almost all of their attacks had a bonus power token. Well, that's the thing. That's why I think power token should almost not really be a choice most of the time. I think I think people. I think you should just spend them as quickly as you can get them. Uh, and that's why when Pazzi was saying so, you can draw into using those blocks. I think that's also sort of true. But they are sort of there to be spent. Um, I agree. Yeah, in sure. fact, we had a problem with often forgetting them because we had to get used to in the first campaign in the Heart of the Empire where they had now been added to the whole of all the stuff that's happening. But basically, when we were a couple of missions in, we decided that if you hadn't said otherwise, you'd be using the power token you had. And that was just because to help us that we were forgetting it all the time. Yeah, that's certainly a, a very sensible house rule to to Im- implement if the players are still learning to use the power token. So. Uh, obvious little clarification. I think I know this here, but you obviously declare what kind of power token you're using on attack. If you're using the wild card, you're going to say before rolling, "This is a yeah." Uh, and actually, when you, uh, you you don't ever have a wild to- power token on your. No, I think what what Alistair yeah. means if you have two different uh, attack power tokens and you you're using the house rule uh, uh, that says you can use the power token after or before you rolled or whatever. In case you forget, or, or, you, or also with the power where you can use it as any. I mean, uh, I think if you're putting down a, oh, a yeah, block true, token true, to yeah, say, I'm going to be using this for this attack, you could yeah. have to be pretty clear that this is, as, as, as Pastor said, there's no wild. It yeah. immediately becomes yeah. something before roll. Yes, yes. Okay, so any any last thoughts on Kotun other than I think she's amazing? Now, here's a really weird one, and Pazzi is the only person who I think could tell me if there's ever a case where this would come up. But if you used a block token as a surge on an attack, should you replace the block token with a surge token from the uh, pot, or should you leave it as a block token because it is still the block token? Do you, do you know what I mean? It, as opposed to replacing it, it actually is still that that token being used for another purpose. And could that matter? Uh, I think uh, when uh, when the attack is de- declared, you discard the power token and then gain the corresponding symbol. So you just yes. there the pl- uh, block power token used as a surge or something. It doesn't exist anymore once you have spent it. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's what I figured. I, I just sometimes yeah. you have circumstances where it's uh, it is sort of it still retains its original identity while being used for something else, and other weird effects might cause it to not work or be taken away. I do, I couldn't think of any off the top of my head, but sometimes that's uh, one of those weird little corner of the rulebook style things fun to think about. Yeah, I think there's there's still a limited supply on on power tokens in the in the box. And if you run out of damage power tokens, you cannot gain any additional damage power tokens on anyone. But for that to happen, I think there are either six or eight damage power tokens in the box. I have to look it up. I don't know. I I don't think there is a component limitation. You just use a suitable substitution. Yeah. Really? Okay, then 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 it doesn't matter anyway. I th- I just thought that that it handles the same like the device tokens or the recon tokens where if they are if they are out you cannot gain any more of them and there are there still I think that's even more than eight so the chances of this happening is actually very slim so yeah whatever so you can use substitutions anyway good so that's uh, Kotun Ferrano 
Um, if you want to say last words, do it now or um, be silent for at least until the next episode <laughs> where we talk about the, the rest of the campaign cards, which is like the upgrades and the rewards and whatnot. I think she's fun. I, I think she's a good addition. And I think that the reason I'm, I'm most excited to try her is to, to, to do um, Legends of the Alliance campaigns where I bring in heroes that I don't normally feel I can make work because I think that she might be able to just give them that little boost, which is basically what I think about power tokens in general. Do power tokens yeah. clean up some of the um, old figures that have been a little bit lost in the power creep? Um, does she make them work? Yeah, I actually haven't tried it in this way with her, so I have to look at it, but we'll see. I, yeah. Our players right now, they they have seen her in the Heart of the Empire campaign and they are not using her in the, uh, what's it called, in the, the, the app campaign because I, I basically banned the, the last played heroes for the current app campaign just so we get a little bit of more variety in there. So we will see uh, if they choose her again, choose her again if they have the, the option to. Okay, so that's it for game discussion and next week we will talk again about the next app, app mission and we'll also talk about uh, Heart of the Empire once more with all of the leftover stuff we have and see what's going on there. <coughs> okay, last uh, uh, last agenda point for today is play experiences. And in play experiences we have um, myself, I was playing um, Skirmish and Vassal. And I was also playing the second mission with my off uh, second missions of the app campaign with my offline group. I talked about this already. They they managed to rescue all of the um, kidnapped crew members and nearly got wiped out by IG88. But it turned out to be good anyway. So they won this mission and are on high spirits. And I think they will be crushed in the next mission when they face uh, all of the the new figures. Uh, other than that, I was training a bit on Vassal with my rebels list. And I swapped out the Rebel High Command and what did I have? And um, another card I can't think of right now uh, for uh, for R2D2. So I have another an additional activation, and he's basically uh, substituting the Rebel High Command card anyway because he I will park him next to the terminal and draw cards from the terminal each round if I can. So it's basically the same effect. Plus he has uh, six health and an activation, so it's even better. He is no fun yeah, to shoot no. at unless you've got a really good trick for it. Yes. <laughs> Hard work for You need points. to remove the dodge. Yeah, you need to remove the dodge somehow. Otherwise, it's it's not even worth having him re-roll a, a dodge because there's such a high chance of landing a dodge again. Okay. Uh, I don't have anything more to say this week because I didn't play that much. Uh, so let's go over to Pazi. Maybe he has something to say about his adventures in Imperial Assault. Well, I have been in a flow, so... Uh, it's been oh a, yeah you were taught it, <laughs> you were it's sick. been a little slow and uh, in addition uh, I lost my internet for the weekend so didn't get much uh, playing done no app campaign for you oh not no 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 no, no, play no, by no forum campaign for on, you on the weekend. it must have been horrible it it was horrible to be in a Can flu you? and not have internet oh god can you imagine <laughs> what did you do it's so boring. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, two of the uh, campaigns uh, were in uh, uh, cleanup phase anyway, and uh, okay. Uh, but uh, there is some civil yeah. un unrest going on in in Coruscant, which I'm trying to uh, sort out. It's the next mission, or what? 
Uh, it's it's go- going on right now, and uh, there is this ADDP okay. going going after the uh, rebels and uh, some civilians. So we'll see what happens. Wait, is is this is this actually is this actually a map that has outside tiles? Because I thought it was all. Oh no, it's it has some outside tiles too. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Oh, that's that's crazy. <laughs> that's really crazy. And uh, hope, okay, hopefully so, that goes yeah, well. But uh, anyway, it's still yeah. uh, second round going. Yeah, I think with the ATTP, you're, you're good to go. And this this was the uh, mission where uh, I baited the rebels to spend their uh, power tokens as blocks from the beginning. So <laughs> I hope it pays pays oh, out cool. to uh, by the end. Uh, okay, so yeah, but did you play anything since we last? I, met? I haven't played the last two weeks. I was meant to have started uh, a replay of Twin Shadows this uh, this week, but we've had to postpone Ooh, till next week. Um, and then I nicked another uh, Amara regional trophy uh, over the weekend, but uh, no Imperial Assault. <laughs> okay, yeah, we saw. I think we saw the, your your post on on Facebook and on the boards uh, on the. Uh, on the Discord. My uh, ivory, my trophy. ivory tower or glass tower. The trophy tower. <laughs> the trophy tower. <laughs> okay, so uh, Alistair, save us here with a little bit of a of oh, an I've interesting been, oh, stuff to talk about. Oh, so I'm sorry to not been on the last, but I, I my last experience was the first regional of the UK season, which was at Curtain Games. Um, that was funnily enough the first regional I ever won, and took it a second time last year. But uh, wasn't wasn't in the cards this year, so I made cut. But it was a really, really uh, good and well attended event. Uh, so about twenty two people, which um, wow. is decent. And and actually, the 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 best kind of event in the sense that it seems that all the subsequent regionals have had a bit of a ticket surge because everybody seemed to enjoy themselves so much the first, which is always a good sign. Uh, I'll be at uh, yeah. Big Orbit uh, this well when this is being recorded this uh, Saturday coming which is also looking like 20 and same for the others um, but yeah it was really good I was we saw Vader we saw Iggy we saw uh, Chewie 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 won um, it was a really diverse and interesting uh, which range. can you t- can you tell about the, the Chewie list what, what, what was actually in there so there were two um, the uh, Chewie list that ultimately won uh, was Chewie and Han um, backed up with wow. some, uh, the, the classic sort of new rebel care package and a couple of smugglers. Um, so I, at the time, was running Han and Rangers with smugglers, Hera, and Sport. Uh, so effectively, okay. it was sort of a, a swap for Rangers in some of those lists. You get Han Luke lists and Han Ranger lists. And this was a Han Chewie that was a bit, uh, uh, you know, had, had chosen Chewie over the uh, utility of the others. Um, I, I beat him in the... Uh, Swiss stage, and uh, we had a really good match in, in cut, which uh, where where he beat me to go on to win. But I still do feel, and this is not actually to to criticize the player who who really knew what he was doing with Chewie, which was great. But um, I sort of continually made math, going Chewie won't be able to roll four blocks in a surge block again, <laughs> and of course he can. Uh, um, okay. But but you you sort of I've also seen him sort of really fall apart. That it, it's very gettable with that health. So, I mean, I was just thrilled a bit to see him and um, see him played well. And um, it's funny how Han and Chewie are really interesting as, as two threats to have on the table. It's very different from Han Luke on the table or Han Rangers. Yeah, I, I imagine. that. So, which did they rely on smuggler cards almost exclusively? Because it, I think um, 
Jewish smuggler, Hanes smuggler, and the smugglers, of course, are smugglers. So yes, I, I think um, that that's that's it, very much worked well. And one one of the big moments where uh, having just having just complained about a bit of a run of bad luck, it would be very uh, unsportsmanlike of me not to mention an amazing play by my opponent. But um, we were playing uh, the uh, shielded mission, and I'd managed to take a lot of uh, victory points, even though things were going my way. I'm very proud to right up to the end. I was there was always a way for me to get the win, and I kept having to sort of go through plan A, B, C, D, E, F. Um, but I I still had a way of winning, so I was staying very excited right to the end. But uh, right at the end of the game, I had a shot on Gideon. Uh, I think with Hera, who is focused, and I moved her into position. And I did not see this coming at all. Chewy, slippery target, stepped right in front of me and blocked my line of sight. And wow. I could have chosen a position that would have not let that happen, but I was so blindsided by it. Um, wow, that was a great that's move. That's amazing. So you wait. Uh, so slippery target lets you you move if another figure enters. Yes. Uh, a space adjacent to you. So I had to I had to move so around Chewy to get a shot on uh, Gideon. With I had celebration oh, in my he... hand and negation was out, so it would have been a game winner. Okay. But uh, okay. I just accidentally made the mistake of stepping too close to Chewy and letting him sort of again just seize the uh, <laughs> seize control of that cool. that and, and and as I said, a better me or me that could have gone back in time three seconds. There were places I could have stopped a complete block of line of sight. But um, so just beware of that. <laughs> that the interesting thing is that usually you see this card only in as defensive card, like uh, as a as a cock block for Vader especially and. It's so nice to see it being used. It's still defensively, but for another figure that is actually not a smuggler. That that's very nice. I really like this play. It was a very tense moment in the end of a very close game, but I couldn't help myself from thinking that was pretty darn awesome, and just wishing that I had been <laughs> clever enough to see it coming. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I really like this this play. Uh, on the more dumb end of the scale, one of the things I found really interesting playing against Chewie, who I who I played three lists with. Was uh, you play yeah. before his debts repaid has been been played? Um, you play very conservatively. You, every kill has to be considered for what will it do for Chewie. But something I yeah. forgot in two games until I kicked myself was after it had been played once, I somehow got it in my head that it was an ability Chewie just had. So I was still terrified <laughs> to kill anything, not not remembering that he's going to oh, do it God. once. It's going to hurt, but then it's going to be done. Yeah. Did you did you find to that it that it's viable to focus down Chewie? Instead of inst or instead of facing depths repaid, like in the second round or so, I sort of had hoped more to soak Chewy um, Chewy's hit, which is of course is very big, but it's limited if if you're not giving him great things to shoot at. So I, I yeah. generally went everywhere else I could um, on the map and, and not Chewy, and, and especially I you know go after hand very hard. Um, but as I said, there were there were games uh, there was a game where I, I managed to kill him, which was great. But uh, in Shielded, in that giant Nelhada swamp, my opponent, uh, Oliver Dewhurst, did a really good job of making Chewie the only real target I could see or really do anything interesting with. And then with a good run of, um, you know, just his the way he can be really beefy with those two dice, uh, my rangers weren't really getting anything through. Um, and then Han was either busy elsewhere or just, just whiffed it. So, yeah, he can be really, really strong. Mm, okay. Yeah, we'll see. I'm actually so uh, talking about the other lists. Uh, did you see anything with ATDP, uh, Emperor Vader? Yep, there were some very good Vader players with ATDP, um, which was exciting to see. It feels like most Imperial lists I saw would have had it would had ATDP. It's sort of hard to argue against, um, with one notable exception, which was a double jet and one elite, one regular 
uh, sorry, double elite jet and one regular jet list. Which um, what? Yeah, which which was a little bit <laughs> surprising. Weird. It was it was using generic jets you'd never see um, to run around and 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 made cut did very well. Um, and I I got you know two little surprises from that list, which again I should have seen coming, but it was nice to see again. Was uh, Grin- Grenadier, which uh, caught my little Hera my little Hera cluster a little bit off guard because I didn't realize he was going to be able to get there and do it. And um, a very very well run uh, overrun. Uh, with uh, with a generic jet, which again, I think if you're playing elite jets or ATDP, people aren't really running overrun, or at least I'm yeah. not, uh, because I I feel like there's better cards to do. But if you have more generic jets to use that on, it's not too bad to think of. Mm-hmm. That's very nice. Yeah. Didn't get a chance to see Vader, so I didn't get to uh, I didn't get to see how well my hand and Rangers would have done against it. I I, I think reasonably well, but uh, the Vaders did do very well that I saw, and I'm very excited to try some of it myself. Uh, do you? So, which list did you play? So, I I was playing Han and Rangers with a couple of smugglers in the Rebel Care package, but my twist was yep. to have Jin, who performed okay. uh, disproportionately well. There was only one mission where she became the red smear on the map that she can be after one attack. <laughs> Everything else, she was causing my opponents to pull their hair out by dodging, moving, stunning. Just being that wonderful figure she can be. Um, and yeah. I am seeing her more. I, she is high risk, high reward, I'd say. She's in my list too, so... <laughs> are you are you expecting to use this list for a longer time now? Or well, do you have an idea what you want to run in the European Championships? Well, I felt really good about my performance. Um, so and I, and I got top eight, so I was sort of happy to say... I think Han is extremely good. Rangers are still very good, and there's lots. You know, I've re- a really good time with, with Rebels. I think they're riding high. But just to challenge myself, I'm going to go to Evesham in a couple of days with uh, a Jets and ATDP and Palpatine list, uh, which I've really <laughs> been enjoying, and uh, possibly come around to some scum later. If, if I can, if I can perform well with one of each faction, even if I don't reach the absolute high highs, I'd be very happy with myself. Okay, sounds very nice. Yeah. Uh, do you? What's your 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 idea about uh, the mercenary hunter smuggler uh, complex? Do you think it's it's broken up a bit, or do you think it's still as strong, but people just don't want to play it anymore because they are sick of seeing it or playing it? I think that that certain figures uh, like Han and and Vader especially um, have done a, de- a better job than people think of really breaking up the back line. Um, you know, if you took your Ugnaught Swarm, for example, which I, I played against for in a bit of a fun game the other day, it still certainly got a lot to it. But the risk is a Vader or somebody coming in and just completely tearing it up, or, or even, I would argue, a, a Han or others. Um, but I think in Smugglers, what I'd, what I'd like to, to see more is, is now is that, uh, just one of the, I think Onar is an absolute risk to have out in the field right now, because I, I've been finding him very killable. Um, I'm very yeah. keen. I think Iggy is still extremely viable and good, and can really cause problems for. He is a he's a exactly what you want. He's an absolute hero figure. One hopes Bobo will get there soon because I- I- Iggy is great and defines yes. that. But what I I'd, I'd really like to see is um you know Shyla won worlds um not too long not not so super long ago, and I think Shyla Iggy um with that with her Pierce and that big hit. The ability to um, heightened reflexes. I sort of feel in the back of my mind that that could give problems to hand lists, chewy lists, Vader lists, um, and maybe maybe Shiloh's due for a bit of a comeback. Uh, speaking of uh, hand, don't you think that should Shiloh come back? I mean, I in, I thought about this too because I'm also running a hand list, and um, 
Slippery Target seems very, very enticing, especially against Vader. But even if I'm running against the Shyla list, it basically could negate an, an whole, a whole attack of Shyla. So, uh, um, well, when you're when you're drawing someone I'd... to you, you shouldn't get a yes. slippery proc. Yes, that that's what I wanted to ask. It doesn't work if she she's pulling you over. No, right? she so... she stays in the same space and okay. you move to her, so that, yeah. that should help it. Okay. I also what I like about Shyla, I've been thinking about in my mind, and I don't know if this will really work. Is everybody knows on the lamb is coming. Everybody does. But Shiloh is yeah. one of the few figures that could grab Han and say, good, I'm now putting you somewhere where even if you're on the lamb, I'm still killing you. Okay, yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, which, you know, which may work. She's, she's still expensive and a surge block isn't what it used to be in terms of keeping you alive. But I think that uh, I, I think that could be a lot of fun. I think weak waves in particular are, are just, they've gone down to being a, a good but not over, not ridiculous figure. They're very gettable now, and that's that's as they should be. I still see um, hidden and focused weak ways as a bit of a problem, just for how good their surges are and how how hidden gives them this this bonus surge they can basically throw away against a, an evade or against other stuff. So I I'm not sure if when I play it, maybe in, on Vassal it's a bit different that the the meta there is isn't as localized and. People want to try the really best stuff and not what may, might be fun, so maybe that's that's also a bit of a difference. But I probably will see in a, in a month or so when I'm playing the yeah. Austin Regionals how the meta is there and how, what people actually find fun to play there. If people maybe are listening different. from the UK, I'd say the UK meta by and large outside of Europe, European seems to be very much people be wanting to try the fun, and I think that makes sense to be different from the Vassal meta. I, I like that too. With Worlds coming up, I'm gonna progressively week by week get more anxious about what i consider to be the the list but for all these regionals i'm just gonna be able to have fun and see if i can make palpatine work yeah okay thanks for your uh report from uh from the regional and good luck of course for the next one um with that i think uh that's all we have for this episode uh unless someone has to say something but you can you can do it in our outro so uh pazi anything else to contribute this week uh, I think other than like twenty centimeters of snow. <laughs> yeah, I would like to contribute some of that uh, snow down down there. <laughs> yeah, of course, I would be glad to take over some, but it just doesn't come here. Okay, but that, that's all. Okay, so Jeppe, uh, what's going on for you in the next few days, weeks? First of all, I have to come clear and and admit something terrible. Uh oh. While we've been legion, did you? No, 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 no. Uh-oh. <laughs> while, uh, while we've been recording, I've been sitting yeah. here hugging my new way of Armada that came in the door just before we started recording, and I've been inhaling all the no, you know, the feeling of freshly printed cardboard to kind of being yeah. a kind of surrogate for us not having any new Armada stuff. Uh, sorry, Imperial Assault yet. Um, but um, that aside... Um, Are you actually going to play it or just... Inhale it. <laughs> right now, I'm just inhaling it. Um, and uh, well, I don't get to play so often. Uh, as I mentioned, I played last weekend. But I am going to play Imperial Assault very soon because, um, in fact, I have to better get started practicing. We have uh, a one and probably the only regional around these parts coming up on February 18th. So if any of you are yeah. in the vicinity or would like to have a uh, 
stint in the Netherlands. The Hague is uh, hosting a uh, a regional on Sunday the 18th in the Tabletop Kingdom store. Uh, and where is the 6th? That is in the Hague, the okay. capital of the Netherlands. Which actually, okay. now I'm wrong. It's not the capital, it's the seat of the government, which I think is not the same. If I'm mistaken, I think Amsterdam is the capital. Sorry to, sorry to rush my goodbye, but I've just had somebody come to the door, so I'm just going to say everything I said just five minutes ago is my goodbye. See you all at the regional table. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so, yep, um, uh, we talked about this before, before we started the show. Uh, you're not going to play Amada at the European Championships? I am not, with, um, I would say, a heavy heart. In a sense, I'm actually, I am relieved that it's on the same day as the Imperial Assault Swiss. So, I would have oh, to okay. choose between them, and that choice, I think, is fairly easy. Um, I've talked about this in a previous podcast, um last fall that um or last summer probably that going to europeans last year i i went to play imperial assault but then when i had been buying the tickets i i was sort of sitting ready to buy tickets the moment they were released last year because i knew from worlds how things sell out in less than an hour and i was frantically trying to buy tickets and it took me almost an hour because of some problems with the credit card system they they've actually upgraded yeah. it this year because last year the, the, the site has had a little bit of trouble with foreign credit cards and maybe they've had more international visitors last year even though the ffd event is just a dent in the total amount of visitors to the convention but either way they've improved it this year so it was not a problem but anyway last year i um i was then hurrying to buy tickets and there was nothing out about side events yet and i thought that i would sign up for both well knowing that i couldn't play all of the amada because last year at the europeans the amada swiss was over two days i think it was like something akin to eight eight uh rounds of swiss and the second of those two days that were Amada was the Imperial Assault Day Swiss. Uh, so I signed up for both, well knowing that I couldn't play both, but I felt like as a Dutch champion I should sort of try to represent at the next tier, which would be the European. And I actually ended up yeah. um, not enjoying it particularly much. I I met a lot of the players from Amada. It's a community I'm not so busy and otherwise and it was nice talking to a lot of them before the tournament we met up and so on but I didn't enjoy the tournament because I knew I was not going to play all of it and I had brought a list that was not really something that would work me to like but just something I thought was nice and it obviously didn't work because the list was not good and I hadn't practiced so I didn't enjoy the tournament as much and I ended ultimately only playing I think two games because the whole tournament was delayed because of security issues. This was briefly after, I think, the Manchester bombing. So they had added security uh. Um, uh, there in uh, in Birmingham for the convention. It's just a day after or two days after, or less than a week, something to that akin. Yeah. Um, and then, at the meantime, there had been, uh, since I had bought the tickets, there had been side events added, and there was an Imperial Assault side event of the evening of where I was playing Amada. So I basically, there was an uneven number of Amada players. So I thought, okay, I'll drop so that no one has to sit out for like three hours. That's basically the the break time you get if you have a a buy in Amada. Buy. So I'll mm-hmm. spare someone else having that, and then drop out, go over, and uh, be. Uh, part of the Imperial Assault side event. <laughs> but also, at the time, 
I was father to a son who was still less than one year old, didn't have a, not a lot of sleep, and I went to Birmingham thinking, okay, I really have to enjoy my sleep now to be well rested for the Imperial Assault. So I went home from a pop crawl with friends very early, so I could get eight hours of sleep, and I slept for like three and a half hours, and then in the middle of the night, I was really awake in my hotel room and couldn't sleep. <laughs> so I was really busted. Um, and um, even though I didn't play the whole day of Amada, I was on my legs a lot, and it was exhausting in many ways. So basically, I went into the Imperial Assault tournament really knackered and not myself at all in terms of playing well. So I decided that I would not make that mistake again this year of playing both Amada and Imperial Assault. Luckily, it's not at all possible. However, I do have had, I've had sort of a temptation to play in the X-Wing Europeans on the Friday, because that would be possible. But I don't think I will. And I think the tickets there are actually selling out. Uh, they're they're uh, disappearing okay. quite quickly. Um, so I'll stick to just Imperial Assault. Uh, if they were spread over more time, I would have loved to play some of the others, especially Amada. I have a strange relationship with Amada because I spend a fraction of the time I spent on Imperial Assault. Um, I don't really follow the communities much. I obviously don't podcast about it. Um, but for some reason, I've been doing really well at my Amada tournaments um, with two nationals, two regionals, and two store championships within the last year and a half uh, that I've uh, I've won. And I, it's a strange thing because on one hand, I felt maybe I should sort of represented the European Championship and see how well I would do. But I actually don't consider my, myself a particularly good player at it. So I don't think I would do particularly well at the Europeans. But it, it would have been nice to try if it wasn't because it was on top of each other. And I really love Amada, but I'm invested also in the community in a different way in the Imperial Assaults. Um, though I, I don't think I would do as well in it necessarily. But um, um, yeah, I want to be part of it. I was about to say long story short, but that was not that was long story long. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. Um, so I think that's that's now all for this episode. Uh, you can just remember uh, you can reach us on Discord, on Facebook, and of course the boards and board game geeks and whatever. So um, with that, I think we're done, and we will see us again in like two weeks or so with the rest of Half of the Empire, maybe some more skirmish, and hopefully the next news article. And see you until then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.